Good morning and welcome. Come on. Good morning and welcome. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor here with us. It is our privilege to have you gather with us this morning. Thank you so much. If you're a guest with us today, it is a real joy that you would make time early on a Sunday morning to come join with us here at Malvern Hill Baptist Church. Uh, we are a little bit different in the 830 service today. We're recording today, so I have to be on my best behavior. Uh, but uh, because in the 11 o'clock service, we are recognizing our children. So just to give you an idea, some of you uh, may decide to cling, hang around this morning. You're welcome to. But in the 11 o'clock service, we have baptism again. So we'll baptize two more this morning. Uh, in addition, our children are going to help lead in worship in the 11 o'clock service. And so they will, they will sing a couple of songs, help lead in worship. And then we're going to recognize, uh, we try each year to recognize the sixth graders who are moving up from our children's ministry, our student ministry. And we actually, if they all show up today, we have 21 of those. So pretty amazing to see the way that God's at work in, uh, in our children's ministry and, uh, and through that into our student ministry. There's just, there are, there are kids everywhere, absolutely ever. It's why I'm always asking y'all to keep tithing because they don't give any money. All they do is spend all of our money. Uh, having children in your church is like having them in your home. They spend all the money. So, uh, but uh, uh, we are so grateful for what God is doing in our church. Um, parents and children, uh, grandparents, uh, after the 11 o'clock service, we do have a luncheon. So if you're here and you've got kids and you'd love to uh, hang around or come back and eat with us, we'd certainly love to have you this morning for all that, uh, that we have lined up in the 11 o'clock service. That's also why this morning, I, I didn't, we didn't neglect to clean the stage, but I need props when I've got this many kids. And so one of the things that kids do during Children's Sunday is they actually help me with the sermon. And so uh, um, we'll make use of some of these this morning uh, with you guys, because I don't want y'all to miss out on all the fun. But uh, we got all this up here because the kids are going to be helping out with the sermon. And uh, apparently I get kind of boring for a bunch of five-year-olds, so I've got to do some things to make sure that we at least keep them engaged. All right, having said all those things, uh, if you have your Bible, we're in Acts chapter 27. Let me also just mention to you that this evening at 6 o'clock, we do have a deacon ordination, different than the way we've done that in the past, but it'll be a, a separate service this evening at 6. We'd invite you to be with us as we install um, our eight new deacons and, and ordain one of those. Acts chapter 27, we're going to read a rather long passage of Scripture this morning from verse 9 all the way through 26. As always, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word, but recognizing it is a longer passage, if you're not comfortable standing that long, please know that uh, that is perfect. All right, but stand with me if you're able, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast um, was already over, so, so just a note here the fast, you're talking about the Day of Atonement, so we're in the fall of the year. Since the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. The centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there, on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore, but soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear. 
And they, thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have told you, but we must run aground on some island. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are so good to us, and your word never fails. As we consider that word this morning, I pray, Father, that we would be challenged and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. As many of you who are with us on regularly know and, and are well aware, we've been in the book of Acts for quite some time. We'll be here for just a few more weeks. Hopefully you're not getting exhausted with Acts, but if you are, uh, the end is in sight. There are only how many chapters in Acts? 28, right? So uh, you can see that we're nearly there. And on the back end of this, we'll be in the Ten Commandments for the fall of the year. But here we have Paul, as you will recall, has been from trial to trial to trial. And now Paul has been sent to Rome. And so the way that Paul is going to get to Rome is he's going to go with a centurion, with some guards. There's not some special sailing ship that, that transports prisoners. This isn't like Conair of the Roman Empire, okay? This is Paul on what is essentially a cargo ship, and he's got some guards who are along with him. And so as they've found this ship, and they're going to basically hitchhike on this ship all the way to Rome, um, they've begun this journey late in the year. Now, uh, some scholars suggest that the year may have been AD 59. We don't know 100%, but depending on exactly what year it was, would help us to determine exactly when the Day of Atonement had taken place, so the, the fast that's referenced in this passage of Scripture. What we do know is that somewhere between the middle of September and well into October is the, the time of year that Paul is referencing. And what we also know is that in that part of the world, during those years, in that age, it was considered terribly dangerous to sail, basically from somewhere around the, the beginning of October, according to some folks, maybe as far back as the middle of September, into November, so the middle of November, November the 11th. Um, it was considered very dangerous times, and then nobody was sailing from November 11th until like the middle of February, right? It just wasn't happening in the winter months. And so Paul is with these people, he's with these men, these mariners, he's with his centurion, his soldiers, his guards, and they're loaded onto this ship, and it's piled high with cargo. Now you understand why we have boxes, right? It's piled high with cargo, and they're preparing to set sail. Now, what we know about the Apostle Paul, and he tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, is that Paul is a seasoned traveler. Now, we shouldn't assume that Paul is a, a more seasoned traveler than perhaps the captain of this boat or this ship or, of, or than the sailors who were on it. But Paul knows a lot about the sea. As a matter of fact, he's learned some things that maybe some of these haven't. He's been shipwrecked before. He knows. Um, when I was a senior in college, some friends and I 
decided that when the first snow of the year came, it would be an excellent idea for us to leave Clinton, South Carolina and drive to North Carolina to ski in the first snow of the year. And so up we go, driving in the snow up to, uh, I don't even remember which ski slope we were headed to, up to Boone. And uh, so up the mountain we go, and we had not even gotten to the ski slope before um, I lost traction of my truck. It slid hither and thither, as they say. And next thing I know, I was on my roof, upside down in the snow. It was a wonderful thing, if you can imagine, leaving when your father said it was a terrible idea and then having to call your own dad and say, Dad, I'm upside down in the snow and I need you to come get me. Quite a humbling experience. And um, so, uh, and, and as a result, I, I like to say to people that there are two kinds of people that drive in the snow. There are those people that have been on their roof and those who haven't. I, as someone who has been on my roof, tend to be a little more careful than some people who haven't been on their roof. Um, but... Um, I'm sure that that's the case with Paul. As a man that's been shipwrecked before, he really doesn't want to go down that road, or I guess that sea, all over again. And so he looks at these guys and he says, Hey, this doesn't really seem like a great idea. Well, Paul's a prisoner. Now, the reality is he must have been a man of some degree of prestige. He was a man with, with a degree of respect because even as a prisoner, when he said it, they at least took his words into account and they had a conversation about it. Now, we shouldn't assume that Paul's like brought into the captain's quarters and they're all gathered together. Paul, tell us what you really think. Now, probably it was more like, this guy has been down this road. He seems to think it's a pretty bad idea. And probably the centurion and others are going, you know what? He says it's a bad idea. And the reality is we all know that this is not the best idea in the world. Right? We're in that window of time when it doesn't really seem like a great idea. But if you'll remember, this is a cargo ship. And you've got a captain and a crew who have a responsibility to get a cargo somewhere. And guess what? They're not getting paid until this arrives where it's supposed to be. Right? So you've got Paul saying this might not be safe. But you've got others saying it might not be, but we want to eat. And so what happens is they completely ignore Paul's advice and they begin the process of setting sail, right? And off they go and things go, eh, it's all right. They're hanging out kind of close. They don't want to get too far off from the land. They, they, but about the time it seems like everything's gotten just the way that it ought to be. They catch a good wind, everything. Maybe, maybe the sea just seems right and they say, you know, smooth sailing from here out and boom, off they go. Well, before long, what happens? Well, along what happens, they find themselves in the midst of a terrible storm, right? In the middle of that storm, everything begins to break down. All of their hopes, all of their dreams, all of their ideas begin to fall apart. And what they determine, what they discover is that they desperately need wisdom that doesn't come from man. They need wisdom that comes from above. And this morning, we're going to consider that wisdom from above um, and, and wrestle with this question. See, these... They found themselves in this spot because they just refused to listen. This morning, I want to ask you, why don't you listen? Why don't you listen? Why don't you listen to others that have godly wisdom? Why don't you listen to the God's word? Why don't you do what God says? This morning, though, the first thing I want you to do is to be willing to learn from others. Be willing to learn from others. Now, remember, Paul was not a sailor. He was a rabbi. He was a religious teacher. He was a Christian convert. He was a tent maker. As a tent maker, he worked with cloth and he worked with leather. It's possible that Paul had a little bit of knowledge even about repairing sails and things of that nature. But Paul was not a sailor. Okay? 
But even though Paul was not a sailor, Paul was also not an idiot. And that's important for us to keep in mind. Y'all, one of the ways that we get ourselves into trouble is we look at somebody that wants to give us advice and we operate with something like an ad hominem argument. Rather than listening to the advice... By the way, an ad hominem, I should explain what that is. So, so an ad hominem is, let's just say that Kevin says to me, Hey, Craig, you should preach differently today. And I look at Kevin and I say, Kevin... That's good advice. That would be wise, right? Or explain that reason to me. Okay, Kevin, help me to understand. An ad hominem argument will be Kevin says, Craig, you should preach this passage differently today. And I say, Kevin, you don't even know how to walk right and you want to tell me how to preach, right? I attacked his character, but I didn't actually deal with his argument. I don't know if that's character, walking, maybe. Um, so we see this, for the record, we see this in our culture a whole lot. right? Somebody's like, hey, I think it'd be smart if we did this. And they're like, why should I listen to you? You don't even know how to drive. And it's like, well, what does driving actually have to do with whether or not you, know, you should do this? Or, or I shouldn't, uh, well, this is what an ad hominem argument. We're attacking the character rather than dealing with the argument. right? So sometimes we don't learn, learn from others because act, rather than listen to their argument, we're just attacking their character. Or we're attacking some other aspect of who they are. And a lot of times what we're saying is, I shouldn't listen to you because I'm the pastor here, right? And you, you're an accountant. What do you know about leading a church? Or, for instance, an accountant says, I'm the accountant here. And, you know, you're a cabinet maker. What do you know about accounting? Well, the reality is that sometimes people know something regardless of what their history is or what their occupation is or their educational level is. And I know something because... They've had some different experiences that you've had. Sometimes in the church, people know something because they've spent some time in the Word in places that you haven't spent time. Y'all, we've got to be willing to learn from others. There's a, there's a humility that comes in that that says, I don't know it all. I don't know it all. But part of that being willing to learn from others also comes all the way back to what? To our creation. God looked at Adam after he named all the animals and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good to be alone. I read in a book just this week that um, you know, God tells us that being with God and me is not enough. He looks at Adam. Adam was in perfect relationship with the holy triune God of the universe. And yet in that place, God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for you to be alone. Adam with God wasn't enough. He said, Adam, you need other people like you. That's the way that you were created and intended to be is in community. You were created to be a part of relationships. Part of the reason that we need to be willing to learn from others is because God's created us in such a way that we are supposed to interact with other people. We're supposed to lean on other people. We need them. God made us that way. We're like Legos. We're not much good for anything except hurting somebody all by ourselves. You ever stepped on one of those barefooted? It's bad. Doesn't take but one, right? But boxes and boxes of Legos build something awesome. But that doesn't really matter unless you put them together. We're kind of like that. We need one another. We lean on one another. We depend on one another. When we do those things right, when we listen and we work together, we can build something that matters. Be willing to learn from others. These folks weren't willing to learn from Paul. And they weren't willing to learn from Paul probably because... Paul wasn't actually a sailor. He wasn't the captain of the ship. And the reality was, Paul, Paul was a prisoner on his way to Rome. There's no reason that Paul should have been in a hurry to get there, you know? We're not going to listen to him because they had, they had all kind of excuses for why. Y'all, we can always come up with an excuse for why we shouldn't listen to somebody. 
But just because you can come up with an excuse doesn't mean you have a valid excuse, right? A lot of times that excuse doesn't do anything but satisfy you. That's it. That's what an excuse does. Be willing to listen to others. But not only should we be willing to listen, we need to be willing to listen to the right things from others. The right kind of wisdom. How do you, how do, you do that? We talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about how there, should, there, there are certain sorts of people that we should be willing to listen to. But what about certain kinds of wisdom? Well, the Bible actually tells us what that is. So watch this. Um, and we get this from the book of James. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Wisdom from above, that is, that is godly wisdom... I'll settle, I was going to throw it up. There it is. Wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. How, how do I know if I should listen to what this guy has to say to me? Part of it is I'm wrestling with the question whether or not this is godly wisdom. And look at some of the things. We might have to go back to this. I think it might time out. But, but wisdom from above, first of all, it's pure. Is this, are there pure motives here? Like, we can't always know, but as best you can figure, are the motives pure? Is it peaceable, right? I call up my friend. I'm like, hey, I've got some, some questions about this particular situation. Can you help me? Y'all, if y'all call me and you're like, Craig, I don't know if I need to fight this guy or not. Like, not physically fight necessarily, right? But you, Craig, I don't know if I should fight this. If, if the first thing you hear is like, my background fight music come on in the back. Like I, I, I press play and my walk-in music comes on and you hear me popping my knuckles and there's a strong chance. Let's go back to that slide, by the way, guys. There's a strong chance that what you're fixing to hear from me isn't what you need to hear because it's probably not peaceable. It's certainly not gentle, right? If my first inclination is how do I fight this as opposed to how do I resolve this, right? Is it open to reason? Y'all, we got to be careful that we don't just get carried away by our emotions. Okay, and when I say we, understand, I'm looking in the mirror with that. Like, I have all the emotions. I don't have like middle emotions. I got big emotions. I got up here emotions and down here emotions. I don't have a lot of these emotions, right? When things are good, I'm high-fiving, I'm yelling, I'm cheering, I'm excited. When things are bad, I'm not, you know, right? I, we, got to, we got to fight to get open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, and then impartial and sincere. Impartial. The best wisdom you're going to get is somebody when you call them and say, can you help me? And they say, let's step back from this situation. Let's consider both sides. Now, I do believe that in this particular situation, had the folks considered both sides, they said, look, we understand that Paul is a prisoner on his way to Rome, but what you also need to know is he, he asked to go there. We understand that Paul is not a sailor, but the reality is Paul's not telling us anything that the rest of the world doesn't already know. It's not smart for us to be doing this. We, we, we understand that Paul isn't one of us, but Paul is actually telling us, you ready, what we already knew and didn't want to listen to. How many of y'all, the best wisdom you ever got was because somebody told you what you already knew, but you just weren't ready to do? I mean, isn't that often the wisdom, the godly wisdom we desperately need? I have people that come sit in my office and say, Pastor, I just want to sit down. I want to run something by you. And I, I have to look at them and say, well, I don't think I'm going to tell you anything you don't already know. And then I just kind of lay it out and then they go, yeah, none of that's new. I just needed to hear it from somebody else. Christian, listen, if you're that person that is giving advice, be willing to just give them boring advice. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to create new things. A lot of times folks just need to hear it from somebody else. You know what, that's what I thought. 
That's what I thought, but I just needed to hear it from somebody else. Y'all, let's make sure that, that we're open to hearing it, though. If you're a follower of Jesus, right? Like something goes bad in my life and I'm looking for that fight. Calling, yeah, calling up a friend and I say, help me make that decision. And they say, Craig, have you, have you taken a deep breath? One of my favorite th- pieces of advice that I have a hard time obeying. All right, you ready? It's when somebody sends me an email that irritates me, okay, or a text message. Now, emails and text messages are terrible because you can't read tones, inflection, all that other stuff, right? By the way, y'all get to have a little bit more time with this sermon than the others. I've got to rush through it the next service because I've got all these kids. So y'all just, I hope we can enjoy this together. Um, but you got the tone inflection and all this other stuff in an email. It's, it's lacking. So I get it, and I'm just like fighting mad the minute I read it. Because I read it in the way I'm taking it, not necessarily considering how somebody... Some of the best advice I was ever given was, when you get one of those emails, the best thing you can do is wait 24 hours before you respond. Right? Sit on it. Let it breathe. You go breathe. Go for a walk. Sleep on it. Talk to somebody else before you fire it off. Sometimes I will write my response and then send it to somebody and say, can you read this before I send it? Okay, that's in the best parts of me. The worst parts of me is I get it, and I'm like, oh yeah, you wanted it, you're getting all of it. You found the guy. That's not where we need to be, right? Be willing to learn from others. Be willing to learn. And seek out godly wisdom. People often say, Craig, I don't know what, how do I differentiate between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom? It's right here. And look, this is in James chapter 3. That, that verse is in your study guide so you can find it. But this is where this comes from. This is James saying, this is what godly wisdom is. All right? So be willing to learn. Second thing this morning, not only should you be willing to learn from others, pay close attention to God's word. Now, the, the, there's an interesting thing that happens in this passage of scripture. So Paul He says to them, look, there's going to be loss of life. Things are bad. These are just Paul's informed opinions. We see that once we get ourselves into verse 22 and following, we got Paul saying, hey, don't worry. God spoke to me. And it's not exactly as I had feared. If we'll just be obedient to his word, there'll be no loss of life here. In spite of the fact, Paul says, you got to love it. Paul says, y'all should have listened to me. Right? If you'd listen to me, things wouldn't be so bad. But even though you didn't listen to me, I've got some good news for you. We're not gonna, nobody's going to die if we'll just obey God's word. But y'all, if we're going to be the kind of people, if we're going to be the sort of folks who, who get that wisdom from above, we've got to be willing to pay close attention to God's word. You can't obey it if you don't know what it says you can't it's just not possible so how can you know what it says just by spending time in that word and paying close when I say pay close attention to what it says listen I'd love it if you became a biblical scholar but that's not what I have in mind necessarily here What I mean is that you read it and you pay close attention to what it says, not what you thought it said or you wanted it to say or you wish it would have said. 
I heard a pastor one time say, well, Paul uses this word, blah, blah, blah. I really wish he would have used this different word. And I, I, I like, almost fell out. It was bad. Like we get to look at God's word and say, well, wouldn't it be better if God's word had said this? No, it wouldn't be, right? So we've got to read it for what it is, allow it to shape us, to mold us, to work in us. But pay close attention, right? When, when, Paul, when James gives us those, those verses about what godly wisdom is, let's pay close attention. When it says peaceable, let's pay close attention to what that is, right? When it says open to reason, let's pay very close attention. The Bible says that godly wisdom is open to reason. That means that when we become closed-minded, we don't get to take our closed-mindedness and baptize it ourselves and make it godly. Right? I'm going to stick my fingers in my ears and I'm not listening to anything you have to say because I know what's right. Except that's not what God's Word says. You know? I'm going to yell at you and scream at you because you don't believe what I believe. Except, well, that's not what God's Word says. Let's pay close attention. we got to read it. And folks, part of paying close attention, look, I, I try to read, usually this year I'm doing something different. Most years I read through the Bible in a year. That's my goal every year. This year I've, I've spent extra time in the New Testament, extra time in Psalms, but usually that's what I do. Listen to me. I want you to consume God's Word. But if you're a person that maybe doesn't read as fast as I read, or you're a person, most of you are people who don't have the amount of time to read that I have. you got to remember, like, part of my responsibility is to consume large parts of God's Word in preparation for preaching and teaching. But let's just say that you read half as fast as I read. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to get so caught up on how fast you get through it as much as on the fact that you're reading it, consuming it, eating it. I don't want this to be fast food most of the time for you. I want this to be something that you're savoring, that you're chewing it enough times to get all of the nutrients out of it. You're going to find that the longer you ruminate upon it, the deeper its truths are going to soak in. Pay attention. Pay close attention. But when should you pay close attention to God's Word? You need it most when you desire it the least. You need it most when you desire it the least. Let me tell you what these soldiers and, and uh, crewmen, shipmen, I can't even get the word out, mariners, sailors, that's the word I'm looking for. Let me tell you what they didn't really care about at this point in time. They didn't want a sermon, right? I don't know if you've ever been in that place where it's like the last thing I really want is for you to preach to me. The last thing I really need to hear is you to preach to me. They, they, they haven't seen the sun in two days. The last thing they needed, or back up, the last thing they wanted was for Paul to stand up and be like, hey, you pagans who wouldn't listen to me, by the way, the God that I serve has appeared to me, and he has a word for you. And they're like, how about give me something else? Y'all listen to me. When you desire God's word the least is when you need it the most. Because we tend to desire it least when we have separated ourselves from God's people, we've separated ourselves from the things of God, or at least when we are tempted to do so. Right? 
Satan, the enemy, comes to kill and to steal and destroy. And the greatest and easiest way that he accomplishes those purposes is by separating God's people from the people of God, right? It's, it's like hunting from a herd. And if I can get you sectioned off, you, if you ever watch um, you know, these uh, predators hunting, especially like on the safaris of Africa or, or, or the Sahara of Africa, you, you've got where they, they actually work diligently. They don't attack an entire herd at one time. They want to find the slow one and get him cut off from the herd. Because there's strength there. But if they can get him all by get this animal all by itself, then they can, they can take it. Y'all understand the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And he accomplishes that usually and most effectively by what? By separating you from the word of God, the people of God, the places of God, the things of God. That means that when you feel yourself not wanting the things of the Lord, y'all, that's when we've got to dig deeper. Ginger taught me a while back that my feelings, and yours too, are to be, uh-oh, I forgot, um, indicators and not dictators. It's great. It's really good. She stole it from somebody else. I don't know where she stole it from. She thought I was supposed to know, and I didn't, so she taught it to me. Y'all, our feelings are indicators, so my feelings might indicate something's wrong in my life. They might tell me that something's not exactly as it should be. They might tell me that something hurts, but they don't have to dictate my actions, just because you don't feel like consuming the word doesn't mean you should run from it. Third this morning, obey even if it doesn't seem to make sense. Look, discipleship is obedience, not accumulation. Discipleship is obedience, not accumulation. If you don't believe it, let's just run to Romans chapter 2. Let me, let me give you that one real quick. Romans chapter 2 verse 12 For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God but the doers right James is going to tell us James is going to tell us that we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only Y'all listen to me. I'm thrilled to death that you're here. Like, it thrills my soul. As a matter of fact, there's a few more of y'all here in this early service today than I expected because we've got children's stuff going on in the next service and it's going to be crowded. Um, but I, I'm thrilled that you're here. I love to get up on Sunday mornings and come preach. And, and the more y'all that are here, the more exciting it is for me. I'm just be honest with you. Like, it's, it's so exciting and enjoyable. I, I love every part of it, all right? But you're not a follower of Jesus because you came and heard me preach. Jesus didn't look at his disciples and say, y'all listen to me. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Our discipleship process here at Malvern Hill is focused on our life groups that don't, don't focus on tons and tons and tons of information accumulation. Now, there's nothing wrong with you spending lots of time reading lots of other things, but here's the reality. I am far more concerned, and I believe the Bible is far more concerned with you applying what you know than it is with you getting lots and lots of stuff and not doing anything with it. Discipleship at its core is obedience. Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then what did he say? Teaching them to obey. 
He, he didn't stop with teaching them. Teaching them to obey. That's where discipleship... I want you to obey even if it doesn't make sense. You say, Craig, what's that to do with this passage? Paul looks at them and says, by the way, we got to go and run this ship on ground somewhere. They're like, hey, brother, I don't know if you've noticed, we're trying our best not to wreck this thing, and your idea is for us to crash it on purpose. Paul, you said that everybody's going to live, but your idea is that we're going to crash it on purpose. Paul, I don't think so. Well, y'all, let me encourage you. I want you to trust this. God knows more than you do. God knows more than you do. It's football season. I, I love football. Um, I, I love, I've got my boys play. I, I, lo I love watching them. I love coaching them up a little bit. Uh, I, love, I love critiquing them afterward. It thrills my soul. Um, and uh, we, we can do that for fun. It's, it's not in a mean-spirited way. But there are things about football that don't make good sense. There's a reason why Little League football, and parents, just listen to me. Don't get too passionate about Little League football. Please don't. Or Little League Baseball, for that, for that matter. Like, lots of Little League sports, but especially football. Probably ice hockey as well. Um, because there are things about football that don't make good sense. Right? You're, you're coaching a kid and later an adult to do things that are opposite of what their natural inclination is. Okay? And so, for instance, if you're teaching a kid to tackle... Their inclination is to drop their head and to do this because you don't actually want to see those things that are coming at you. We tend to turn away when something's going to hit us. We're trying to teach kids to look at the thing that's going to hit them. That's hard. It takes effort. This is for the record. If, if, if you're, you, you can't teach all these things at, at young ages. So some of you parents get all worked up about what your kid's doing in Little League football. Listen to me. His brain can't tell his body to do some of the things that it's going to need to do when they get to middle and high school. You're going to, they're going to spend two years in middle school coaching out of them everything they learned in Little League. And that has nothing to do with whether or not they got, they got good coaching. It has everything to do with the fact their bodies just aren't there. Because you're teaching a kid to pass block, for instance, if he's big enough. When you're teaching him to pass block, you're telling him to stand back, to keep his nose behind his toes, and to put his hands up like this and wait for some 300-pound gorilla to come and attack him. Right? I mean, that's what's happening. There are these monsters that are coming to attack. And you're saying, you just stand back there and you wait for him to get there. And when he gets there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your arms out. I want you to do this, but don't hold on to him. You can't do that. Like, and, and, and look, number one rule, one of the number one rules, pass blocking. If your nose go over your toes, you're dead. Look, have you ever tried to push somebody without putting your face like this? It doesn't work. It, it doesn't make good sense. But, but it's true. It's necessary. So much of God's word, is you ready? Coaching us out of our natural tendencies towards supernatural ways. That's what he's doing. So I ask you this morning, why won't you listen? Why? These men wouldn't hear what Paul had to say until it was all they had left. I told you that there was a ship that was just slammed full of stuff. Now, now we, don't, we don't know what was on this cargo ship. Probably food, grain, maybe fruits, right? Maybe some kind of vegetables. Maybe meat was being transported. So Paul had looked at them and said, y'all, we, we shouldn't do this. And they were like, you know what, Paul? We need to make money, so we got to go. We don't care what you have to say, Paul. We got other things on our mind. 
when their life was on the line, all of a sudden, all of this earthly wealth mattered very little. What keeps you from listening? You think about what it was that kept these men from listening. They, they, they had, they had their, their money that they were trying to make. Well, when everything started falling apart, they weren't worried about the money, right? That was out the window. Maybe they had their pride. We're not going to listen to a prisoner. I've been doing this for 30 years. And there's no storm that I can't handle until there was. And then their pride goes out the window, right? Maybe it was, maybe it was their covetousness when they left home. When they left home, they saw what they desired in their neighbor's life. And they wanted that more than anything else in the world. But when the world started falling apart, their covetousness was gone. Maybe it was fear. Fear of what? I don't know. Fear of man's opinion. We're not worried about that anymore because we're dying here. What keeps you from listening? They weren't ready to hear God's word. They weren't ready to hear God's word until they could get rid of some of the sinful obstacles in their life. What's yours? Is it reputation? Is it power? What is it? We don't know. I don't know. But I know this. I know that some of you are riding a sinking ship today because you're more interested in holding on to the cargo than you are to saving your own life. What's your cargo today? What's your baggage? Just think if this was 2023 and they began to throw shipping containers off of a giant ship vehicles electronics foodstuffs clothing all of these things floating across the ocean and all of these people on these ships looking and going all of this doesn't matter if you can just get me out of this storm Many of you have been in those storms before. Unfortunately, a lot of times, as soon as we find ourselves out of it, we forgot. I ask you this morning, what keeps you from listening? There's wisdom that's available to you today. If you'll turn from your sinful ways, walk away from your pride, your arrogance, your worldly desires, give yourself fully to the Lord He'll change you and He'll save you this morning as our musicians come will you give yourself to the Lord let's pray together Father God in heaven thank you for loving us and thank you for this word that never fails help us Father God to give it all in service to your kingdom Lord help us to trust you above all else Even, Lord, when it might not make sense. In Jesus' name, amen.
Stand with us as we sing. I don't know what baggage you came in carrying this morning, but I know this. If you'll get rid of it, God will not fail you. He will not fail you. It may seem that your life is an absolute shipwreck, but I promise you this, if you will trust Him today, your life will be preserved. And God will carry you the rest of the way. Sing with us.